Hey everybody, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life, alongside Aubrey Sampson. My name is Brian Fromm. Really glad to have you with us on this Thursday afternoon, but Aubrey, it feels like a really heavy day. Absolutely. It feels like a really heavy day. Every now and then, you look at the headlines of the day and it it feels like, oh, you know, there's this celebrity or there's Mm -hmm. this weather storm or there's this whatever, whatever it might be. Or for the last three years, COVID. There's this COVID or two years, I should say. There's this COVID. Uh, But literally a war is breaking out and it is an invasion of of russia into the ukraine Mm -hmm. uh i think to this morning sitting watching the today show and i'm sitting there with my oldest daughter and she's actually learning about some of this stuff in school and we're kind of processing it and it struck me like this is one of the most uh, militaristic uh, advances she's ever witnessed in her life life. and if you listen to the commentators uh, in europe this is the biggest uh, move invasion since World War II. Yes. And so it's it's really a heavy day. And we want to start here because it can be easy to detach ourselves, mm-hmm. right? We live in Chicago. We live across the other side of the globe or whatever mm-hmm. else it might be. Uh, but this is a big deal. This could potentially be a big deal for us. But even if this doesn't touch us, obviously, there's going to be inflation stuff yeah. and there's going to be other stuff. But even if this doesn't touch us, this is still an enormous deal and uh, yes. and a heavy one that we need to be prayerful about, yeah. but also concerned about. Yeah, I think that some of the video footage from this morning was, I mean, just shocking to see military tanks literally rolling into Ukraine. And it's that's not how you think about war these mm-hmm. days. And it just it feels so surreal. I can't imagine how terrifying it is. For the people in Ukraine, I know, you know, their their leaders have said, "Okay, martial law, like you defend yourself. And I was actually listening to the story of a woman uh, in Ukraine talking about how they heard the sirens going off last night. She grabbed her 10 year old son. They went to the basement with candles. And today they're just trying to defend themselves if they possibly can. Like, I think the it's so heavy. It's so scary. I cannot imagine being at home with my three sons and having someone from the government knock on my door and like hand me a rifle or whatever it is and say, okay, defend yourself, Mm -hmm. do the best you can. And what life might feel, I mean, I would be absolutely terrified. And you're right. There is some, you know, we're talking about gas in, in being inflated and, and other, um, you know, problems with shipping because of this happening. And those are small ways that will be impacted, but certainly we're going to feel this worldwide. And then of course, so many Christians in Ukraine and Russia, so many friends of friends that are overseas that are hurting and their hearts are so heavy right now. I, I think we can't, it is so easy to, skip over this it is so easy to watch the news and then Mm -hmm. move on to your own life and in some senses you have to that's the reality of life right now but i don't think we can forget what our brothers and sisters in the ukraine are under right now this is this is scary scary stuff yeah and uh, you know there's there's portraits of courage going on right now people in ukraine staying to fight but also people in russia right now um protesting what their country is doing yeah. like that is no small deal no it's not to do that but you know this is one of the places where social media is good you're you're not just reading prayers and thoughts and reflections of people but i'm literally right now watching the most heartbreaking video of a guy in the ukraine putting his kids and his wife on a bus and they're weeping saying goodbye and he's going to stay back and fight for his country Unbelievable. and so these um and Aubrey, a couple of different things have struck me as I've considered watching and what's going on. Uh, one of them is just evil. Absolutely. The, the presence of evil and war yeah. and injustice yeah. and all of this in the world um, is something we have to, as the church, just wrestle with. Because 
uh, sometimes we can paint a picture of the world that just says, oh, you know, follow Jesus. All your problems will go yeah. away. Well, there's a church in the Ukraine right now and all, the problems aren't going away. Absolutely. Uh, in the reminder, Aubrey, that we live in a broken world in which there is evil. Mm-hmm. There is bloodshed. Yes. There is injustice. There is war. Yeah. We can skip ahead, and I want us to, eventually, to there coming a day where these aren't the reality, but mm-hmm. we've got to sit in the fact that this is the reality of the world we live in. Yeah, absolutely, and this is this is part of what the Bible talks about, especially in Romans, when it talks about sin, like capital S sin, that there are forces of evil at work, and we see them um, play out in our actual life on mm-hmm. earth, and that's what's happening right now. This this is absolute evil, and we need to pray for a swift end. That's right. That's right. And praying for the church, uh, and um, yeah, and and just praying the the gospel will somehow grow and revival will break out in the midst of this. Aubrey, we read this in the early church. We read this yeah. throughout church history. Yeah. In the darkest times, the light of the gospel seems to mm. take hold and grow, which is always really weird to me. Like, it, it feels like that's something amongst other things that we need to be praying for right now. Oh, absolutely. We need to pray for the gospel to take hold for Christians to be strengthened in their faith, because this is, a, you know, you could see this as a moment where you could really kind of doubt your faith and be, of course, everyone is very, very afraid. So pray that the Lord is really near, strengthening the faith um, and the courage of everyone, but especially the Christians, and that somehow in only the way God can do that, like seeds for the gospel are planted in this dark, dark time. And, um, you know, that's hard for us to make sense of. I think the good news is, is we don't have to make sense of it. We just have to pray that the Lord will do what the Lord always does which is bring light and hope in situations mm-hmm. of darkness. And certainly this is a situation of darkness. I guess uh, to put it more uh, in kind of stark terms, Aubrey, I would say a lot of times in situations like this, people can look at it and go, where is God? And I want to remind people God is right there. Yeah, that's it. God is there. Yeah. He is present in the midst of the brokenness. And we did skip over a little bit before, but we do want to point to a day where war doesn't exist. Yeah, it's coming. Yeah. And that means we hold firm. We we continue to be lights in the darkness. We continue to fight for justice um, and we continue just because they are far away doesn't mean we can't be praying uh, and we can't be. And let's be really uncomfortable about this. We need to be praying for Vladimir Putin, that God would miraculously yes. change his Absolutely. mind, that God would embolden the Ukrainian, that all of this we yeah. can be praying. And so, Aubrey, yeah. I do want to spend a moment. Uh, we don't do this a ton here mm-hmm. on our show, but this in heavier moments feels like let's actually pray. Yeah, good idea. We do right. talk a lot about we should be praying for this. We should be praying mm-hmm. for that. But why don't you well, let's both pray. But why yeah. don't you pray first, Aubrey, for what's going on in the world today? OK, OK. Oh, goodness. Lord, we are so thankful that you are a God that we can we can come to mm-hmm. in times like these that feel so out of our hands. And we know that nothing is out of your hands, God. Nothing is out of the realm of your sovereignty and your power and your authority, Lord. And so we thank you for the privilege of being able to even come to you with things that just are so big like this. Lord, trusting that you are doing what only you can do. And so, God, we do plead on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and Russia that you would bring a swift end to this war, that you would, as only you can do, bind the enemy from the mind and the heart and the soul of um, Putin, of the leaders in Russia, and that you would, Lord, please just change their will. Mm. And God, that your Holy Spirit would go before and um, both protect 
and defend and strengthen those who are on the ground, literally fighting for their lives. And, and God, I think our, our hearts are especially tender towards the vulnerable. Lord, children, um, mamas at home with babies, um, God's students that are facing something that is just beyond their comprehension and their ability, God. And so would you miraculously send your Holy Spirit to bring great comfort, great strength, Lord, provide for needs and help us as your followers to know how to stand arm and arm with our brothers and sisters right now in Russia and Ukraine, um, Lord, to not give up hope, um, to, but to stand with them, encourage them. And Lord, we just pray for an end. And we know you're the only one who can bring this about. And so we ask God for your glory and for the sake of your son, Jesus. And, and somehow, God, in the midst of this, that your gospel would go forward mm-hmm. and that you would do a new thing. Lord, I agree. And all that Aubrey prayed, Lord, I agree with that. And I just pray that um, the bombs would stop quickly. Yes. And the troops would be sent back. And that, Lord, we pray that Vladimir Putin's mind would be changed. Yes, God. Uh, that you are powerful enough to do that, Lord. And we pray that you would be very present um, with the church of the Ukraine and the church in Russia. And that, Lord, as Aubrey said, miraculously, your gospel would grow and go forward uh, and uh, revival would break out over there, Lord. May we remember to pray often for the church of the Ukraine and for the people of the Ukraine and of Russia, Lord. Uh, we're glad that you are in charge and that there was coming a day where there will be no more war mm-hmm. and that we can trust you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, that's going to be on our minds a lot today. And yeah. be prayerful. Keep praying. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and and shift gears. Coming up next, we're going to ask this question. The gospel, is it only simply about how to get to heaven when you die, or is there more to it? We're going to hear the words of N.T. Wright next here on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, friends, welcome back to The Common Good here on AM 1160, hope for your life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. So glad to have you with us today. And obviously, Aubrey, our prayers continue to be, as we talked about earlier in the show, with the, all that's going on in Ukraine. Yes. So heavy. Yes. Uh, with our social media world, you're learning new stuff every day. Mm-hmm. But as we said earlier, let us, as Christians, just encourage you, be praying. Yeah. Uh, we, we've got to be lifting up uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ, trusting that God is at work, even in things that feel so heavy and so dark. And so uh, we want to remember that as we go on today. And uh, Aubrey, I, I was watching a Twitter clip, N.T. Wright, okay? I feel like N.T. Wright, uh, he's a British theologian. Yes. Am I good with that? Yes. Prolific author. Uh, N.T. Wright writes a lot about the kingdom of God, and he's just prolific. Go ahead yeah. and Google N.T. Wright. He was on Preston Sprinkle's podcast called Theology in the Raw, and I want you to hear something they said about the gospel, and particularly about heaven and how we package it. And then I want to wrestle with this. Uh, as two pastors, we, we, we talk about eternity, we do funerals, all of this stuff. I want you to hear what he said and then wrestle with this. What you just said about the gospel is not trying to get to heaven when you die and we're going to live forever in, in some eternal disembodied bliss. Like, I was like, oh, yeah, of course not. Yeah, that, that's, that's a distortion. And I started to see a lot more popular level books come out about this. Yours, one of several. Um, and I'm like, okay, so, so we're, we're good. We're done. We're, we fixed that. <laughs> but nope. it's not fit. It's still very pervasive. It's still embedded in our exactly. language. Do you find exactly. that as well? And, and what does it take? Absolutely. I was at a funeral just three days ago, um, and the funeral 
made no mention of resurrection. It was all about, um, you know, being in bliss with Jesus now. Um, and I, I want to say, yes, uh, to depart and be with the Messiah, which is far better. That's what Paul says in, in Philippians 1. But that's not the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And, and at a funeral, one ought to be saying something at least about the hope of resurrection. Um, but when push comes to shove, the Western tradition simply sinks back into the going to heaven narrative. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when I say that's not what the Bible is about, people look at me as though I'm kind of weird because we have read Matthew's gospel, which says do this and that so that you may enter the kingdom of heaven. And people assume because we live in modern West that that means going to heaven when you die. I assumed that for, for the first maybe 25 years of my life. Um, so there's a lot of deconstruction to do. And I wrote Surprised by Hope in 2007, I think it was. Um, so that's 14 years ago now. And I often meet people who say, oh, I loved your book, Surprised by Hope, and then listen to them talk or preach. And they may have loved the book, but it hasn't actually hasn't changed happened. the way they tell the story. That's just, well, you know, uh, a good little test case is when I tell people, I say, you know, Jesus never said there's no marriage in heaven. Jesus <laughs> never said that. And they're like, well no, well, no, he did. In Matthew 22, I read it. He says there's no marriage in heaven. I says, Jesus, those words never came out of his mouth. He said there's no marriage in the resurrection. Yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah, are yeah. we just gloss, we interpret resurrection as, exactly. as heaven. It's exactly. so, it's exactly. crazy. All right. So he's basically saying, and this is a big NT right thing, right? Is that we have taken the gospel and we've only made the hope of it about going to heaven. Right. And that there's so much more to it. And I love that he tries to walk that line and that nuance of like, Heaven is still hopeful. It's still good. Yes. We still, I, I told you, I did a funeral just the other day. And in the homily, I talked about, you know, to be, a, you know, to be apart from the world is to be in the presence of the Lord. Like that is mm, hopeful. Yeah. But N.T. Wright, and, and this is like the thrust of all of his books, yes. it feels like. Yeah, it this is his say, main theology. There's more to it than yeah. that. How do you teach it? How do you wrestle with this? Just how do you play this out? Yeah, I think this is a, as a pastor, it is kind of a complicated dance to do because we know that scripture talks about, uh, scripture uses terms like soul sleep, mm. talks about the resurrection of the dead, talks, of course, about Jesus's one day return when we will rise to meet him. And then there are places in scripture, like, you know, a very famous example is um, the three criminals, the one who comes to faith on, on the cross with Jesus, the one who comes to faith with Jesus. He says, today you'll be with me in paradise. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we have what seems to be a promise of heaven or at least being in the presence of Jesus right at death, mm-hmm. like that criminal. But we also have what Paul seems to talk about is that you you die and almost quote unquote go to sleep until Jesus returns and then you're raised to heaven. Then there's even this concept of heaven, right? Where we think about like angels floating around in clouds. That's a different description than what we have in revelation, which is there is heaven, but there's also this beautiful city and and music and art and technology. And And it appears that heaven comes down down, rather than us flying away to heaven. Our theology has always been, I go up. Yeah. Read revelation. It's heaven coming down. This idea that this it's going to be look all together different and we're going to be disembodied and nothing that I know here is going to be there. 
doesn't seem to be true, right? Right. I'd encourage that's not people what the to, Bible says. I'd encourage people to read Randy Alcorn's book on heaven. Mm-hmm. It's uh, that was eye opening for me. So I cut you off there, but no, this no, idea no, that's of heaven great. coming down, yeah. I think, is really important. And I, I think that's uh, speaking of how do you talk about? I think this is tricky too because there's a lot of people who have an eschatology that says God is going to destroy this earth. Yes. This earth isn't going to last. In fact, that's part of why you hear people say we don't need to do environmental work because this earth is going to be destroyed. This earth doesn't matter. That doesn't seem. That's certainly not the picture that N.T. Wright teaches mm-hmm. in his theology. That doesn't seem to match what Scripture says about Jesus's return, mm-hmm. heaven coming to earth. Mm-hmm. Then there's a whole other conversation where people talk about like perhaps because God is out of time. This is getting a little philosophical, but because God is outside of time, time as we understand it in our human frailty then perhaps that new creation is already existing somewhere <laughs> now. And when you die, you sort of just like move spheres into that. So I don't know. Here's what I know. Sounds like a Marvel movie. Yeah, that does sound like a Marvel movie. I, I was talking to a spiritual director once about the concept of heaven. Like, how, I don't even know how to think about heaven now. I feel like there's so many voices in my head. And, and she was like, well, okay, you've never been to Antarctica. And I was like, no, I've never been to Antarctica. And she was like, but there are things you know about Antarctica. You know that it's cold. You can assume that it's, you know, somewhat barren. You can assume there are penguins there. And she was like, sometimes it's helpful, I think, to think about heaven. Like, well, what do you know? What can you sort of already wrap your mind around now? Because God is not a God withholding or hiding things Mm. from us. He's showing us glimpses of heaven, even as we walk on this earth. All that to say, Brian, we know beyond a shadow of doubt, there is hope of new creation in Jesus Christ for those who follow Jesus. How that's going to play out and what that looks like, I don't know, but I know it's a better hope than we could ever imagine. That's a great way to to kind of sum it up. He, Preston Sprinkle asks a great question. He says, what you just said about the gospels not trying to get to heaven when you die. What about people out there going, that is what it's all about? Like, this is temporal. I want eternity. Um, like it is about getting to heaven when you die. And I, I guess I would answer that as going, yes, but. Or yes, yes and. and. Yeah. yeah. So go go unpack that a little bit. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Brian, you're, I feel like you're having me step on a lot of landmines here. Um, <laughs> yes. Certainly one of the promises of following Jesus and the good news of the gospel is that because Jesus died on the cross and conquered death, when we die, those of us who are in Christ will experience an afterlife with him. So that is certainly a promise. But I think what we have done over the years, and some of this you can actually track historically, like after the war, Billy Graham crusades, like there were a lot of... um, a lot of men very traumatized by war and by the things they had done and seen and really needed a hope of heaven. And so Billy Graham, at least in the States, preached a gospel of like, if you come to Christ, you're forgiven for your sins, even the things, you know, you've mm-hmm. seen and done in war and you'll go to heaven, period. And and that's a that's true. And that's beautiful. And that's wonderful. What we talk about when we say how that's not the whole gospel is there's more to the story. Like God is at work. Uh, creating a people for himself. God is at work Mm. bringing the kingdom to earth. Like you talked about making new creation. So I I think the problem is it's sort this salvation is, or the gospel is just, you go to heaven when you die. It divorces our faith from our reality now. Mm. And at some point our eschatology has to impact our like existential reality. So we have to um, be, people who live away of Jesus, be a people who are part of bringing God's kingdom to earth mm. now as Jesus prayed. That's right. 
It's that's complicated, right. Brian. I feel I, like we solved it. You do? We didn't make <laughs> it too done. complicated for people. No, that's really good. And I, what I want people to hear is it's complicated. It's to wrestle with it. Get into the Bible. Understand yeah. what it says about heaven. Read some good resources uh, because heaven is our hope. Yes. But, but I don't want us to have a misguided view or an insufficient view there you go. Uh, of what it, where it is that we are putting our hope. I mean, even C.S. Lewis said those who are most heavenly minded are the most earthly good. So we're not saying don't focus. No, yeah. the Bible says focus on heaven, yeah. but let's wrestle with what that focus looks like and where our hope lies. All right, that's good. Off and running. Uh, next, we're going to do something that you and I have batted around for a while, and it kind of caught fire on, on your social media. Yes. Words and phrases that we wish would go away. Going to discuss that next year on The Common Good. AM 1160, hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Alongside Aubrey Sampson, my name is Brian Fromm. Aubrey, often you and I talk on this show about the the pitfalls of social media. Right. But sometimes there's great joy in social media. Uh, we're going to talk about one of those here in a second. But you can connect with us on social media. We'd love to hear from you. A couple different places you could do that. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. At Common Good Talk, we put up articles, we put up funny pictures, but we really want to get feedback from you uh, and comments on things we're going to talk about. And Aubrey, all of that is a lead in to something we have been batting around and we're like, I think this will work. Yeah. We put it up on the station's Facebook page and then you put it up on your own personal page. Your friends had some opinions on this one. I know. I can count on my friends on Facebook to share their opinions, and I love them for it. They had some thoughts. I love them for it. This feels a little bit like, this is like the cousin to Grinds My Gears. If you know the show, you know Grinds My Gears is us just kind of venting about some things. Uh, Basically, we're just, we're getting into our mid-40s now. We got to like unload some things. But this one is this. This (laughs) one's one's event all the time. This one is very specific. Uh, Words and phrases that we wish would go away. So words and phrases that are that are popular or you hear a lot in our in our culture in the vernacular of yes. our culture where we're like I'm done with I'm that. I'm over this. I'm over and maybe maybe one of your phrases is I'm over mm-hmm. this. It's something Great like that. Great example. Yep. So I'm going to give you one or two examples from my list. Okay. But you got like you put this out on your social media and there was like 40, 50 Yeah, there's about 50 comments and then comments within the comment, a lot of sub-commenting, yep. sub-tweeting. So. Yep. And so one of the mm-hmm. things we want to do on the show is to continue to grow the platform of social media and using it here on the show. So we're going to do that. But let me give you an example. Well, let me give you an old example, Aubrey, one that I've used in the past here during uh, Grinds My Gears, I believe, and that's the word literally. <laughs> I, I, in fact, they have changed the definition in Webster's Dictionary for literally to mean figuratively. <laughs> like it doesn't oh, interesting. have to mean. Okay. Wow. Literally, literally means that this is true, right? This is it. But you, we know people don't use it like that anymore. Uh, the word literally. Here's my problem, though. Ever since I brought this up on the show. I find myself using Saying the word it literally. all the time. And now I can't say it without hearing your voice in my head. Oh, like, that's oh, <laughs> oh, there's Brian's judging me right now. <laughs> so that's an example. I would be fine if we did away with the common practice of using the word literally 
especially when we mean figuratively. figuratively. This isn't literally so you- <laughs> the greatest radio show ever. I'm sure there's been So better. you want people to be like, figuratively, this is the best radio show ever. Or just say, this is the best radio show. You know what I mean? So there we go. Metaphorically, exaggeratively, this is go. the best radio show ever. There okay, go. gotcha. There That's a go. good one. I also will give you another one I gave you the other day. This is a very church-worldy one. Ooh, let's hear it. This is for us church people. Okay. You can just be friends with somebody. (laughs) You don't have to be doing life together. (laughs) This one came up in some of my social media feeds. You're not the only one annoyed by this. Let's do life together. People People are over that. People in regular non-church worlds, they're just friends. Mm -hmm. Or they're just hanging out. Or they're just getting together. Somehow in the church world, we've embraced this phrase, let's do life together. (laughs) A, it sounds creepy. And B, it's just, it's, it's where I don't get it. Like, no, there's a couple people I'm doing life with my wife and my children, <laughs> not my small group, not much. I love these people, right? Right. But we're not doing life together. So let's you, let's bring back within the church, the phrase, be friends. I'm their friend. <laughs> we're hanging out. We're doing this, doing That's life good. together. That's a good I would one, be Ryan. happy within the church. Friends, I would have to tell you, if you went back and listened to old sermons of mine, probably about community, you're going to hear the phrase doing life together. I'm going to own oh, this. we've all said it. But right. let's just lose that phrase. Yeah, that's really all good. Right, tell me either some of yours or some of our social media friends. Okay, there's a lot of good social media ones, so I'll share those. I'll say a couple for me. I... Um I'm I'm kind of over OK Boomer, oh, just okay. in general. Like I feel like it's become, I, it's just gotten old. I'm sick of hearing it. I don't really have a, a strong reason. <laughs> I just, I'm over it. And then someone put this on social media and I realized I agree with them. I'm also tired of you do you or something my son says is that sounds like a you problem. I don't like that because <laughs> I feel like you do you is just like, you do you. It doesn't matter how it impacts other people. So I don't like that one. And then that sounds like a you problem. I don't like because then it, my son especially is not willing to take responsibility for some things he needs to. That's a you, so your son will say to his mother, that's a uh, you problem. That sounds like a you problem. And then okay. I give him a look and he's like, sorry, mom. He knows he's not supposed <laughs> to say that. Okay, here's some good ones from social media. You'll laugh at I'm these. Ready. Let's unpack that idea. Oh, no, yes. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I love our people. This is good. I know. This one's good. Uh, love me some. Like, yes. I love me some yes. Starbucks or yes. whatever. Yep. I think that's good. As you have Starbucks right next uh, to you I right do. Now. <laughs> I do. And I love me some Starbucks. Uh, let go and let God. Okay. I would say similarly, this was going to be on my list. Jesus, take the wheel. Any of those <laughs> kinds of concepts, I remember. Uh, this is a good one. When churches use the phrase, in our increasingly secular society. Oh, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a, a great good one, point right? to Okay. Somebody put, the best is yet to come. Somebody said, join our team. Like, they're tired of that phrase. Like, be part of our team. Hold on. These are all very churchy. A lot of these are churchy. About this. Yeah. That is something, especially with like the hip um, mega church, but also the hip like church plant. They all use the phrase, the best is yet to come. And I always want to be like, that's a church thing. I always want to be like, how do you know that? (laughs) <laughs> how do you how know that? How long have you been in church planning? Because I could tell you a different uh, how, story. How exactly do you know that the best is yet to come? All right, let me give you one or two. Uh, let me give you one or two. Okay. Uh, here's uh, it is what it is. Oh, that's okay. It is what it is. Yes. It's I'm not kind of really, dismissive. I'm not really sure what that means, right? It is what mm-hmm. it is. Here's one. This one is much deeper that I think is a problem within our culture. I've noticed a lot of people, especially non-churched people, using this phrase. 
uh, live your truth. Oh, sure. Absolutely. That's sort of like you do you. I want to be like, live your truth or discover your truth Uh or live. And you want to be like, I don't think that's how truth works. Yeah. Yeah. You can live your opinion. You can definitely live your your thoughts, live your live your story, live your desires. Yeah. But live your truth. I feel like it's not your truth. There's truth or it's not true. So live your truth. That's very uh, you're you're okay, Boomer. That's very Boomer of you. Last one I'm going to do. Last one I'm going to do. And this is right at my son and his friends at the eight, like middle school age of 14. Let's hear it. You, You can't just refer to all of your friends, both male and female. This is where my problem lies. Male and female as bro. As bro. Yeah. I looked at my son the other day and said, don't call your sister bro. My, I know. My he s- called his mother bro. bro. My sons call me bro or they'll call me dude. And I'm like, nope, 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 nope. Start over. Go back. Rewind. So not everybody's bro, but can yeah. we at least leave bro to other guys. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really fair. That. I appreciate so, that as a right, woman. Like okay, a this is a funny one. I, I hope this is okay. I'm going to share this. This is actually a friend of mine. She put this or that quote changes everything. Now, here's <laughs> yes. why this is funny. I said, oops. And she was like, oh, no, I'm sure whatever you said changes everything really does. It's the rest of the people. And I said, no, it's okay. That's the subtitle of my new book, How Believing Who God Says You Are Changes Everything. And she put, you're so gracious. I'm dying over here. <laughs> That's really good. I had to add that one. Okay. Somebody else put synergy okay. over the phrase synergy. Mm-hmm. I feel like I don't hear that one as as much, but that one's pretty good. Um, let's see. Somebody said, come alongside you on your grief journey. This one got serious. Uh, no, thanks. And then someone else responded as someone who sits with people in their grief. I've used that phrase before. I wonder if support you as you listen or support you as you grieve, be silent with you. Are there some better phrases? The other person didn't respond. And then, um, somebody also said like, let's, let's kind of get rid of anything that, um, inadvertently makes fun of people or dismisses people with um, disabilities. So like the phrase blind spot he Mm. gave as an example, it's time to move on from some of those things. Other people put going forward, me likey. likey. (laughs) That's fun. Yeah. I've enjoyed this very much. We're going to bring this back. It's just fun doing life together with our audience (laughs) on social media. Thanks for doing life with us. listeners. Yes. That's what we really (laughs) enjoy. So uh, just getting some stuff off our chest. There are some words and phrases be on our social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are going to continue to post questions like this, Mm -hmm. ideas like this, segment ideas like this. We want you to engage with us. You're listening to The Common Good, AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. If you've listened to this show uh, for long enough, you know by now that Brian and I are pastors. And on one of Brian's, I think, first days in the studio before I was here when he and Ian were here, they had to talk about the, uh, was it the Willow Creek no, it was scandal? Harvest or Bible Chapel. Harvest had just Bible. come out. All yeah. of a sudden, just dropped. And one of my first days in studio, we were talking about Ravi Zacharias. So it's, it there seems like a lot of our work, Brian, has been dotted with some stories of, of big church leadership, mm-hmm. just abuses or failures or scandals. And for any of you listening who are part of the church world, you know, this is also true for you. It's yeah. not unique to us that we're on the radio. We just have a place to talk about it publicly. For sure. And of course, we've been following 
the story of what looks like Hillsong churches of just kind of continuing unraveling things coming to the surface some mm-hmm. some sexual abuse scandals some cover up scandals uh, their their senior global leader Brian Houston very well known pastor stepped down for a time recently in light of all of this some of their other pastors have been let go and lots going on what we've said about Hillsong in the past is they're more than a church Hillsong at this point is practically a denomination because they are global they are uh, deeply influential yeah. and I mean we've all been influenced by Hillsong just the other day I was looking at tickets to the upcoming Hillsong Chris Tomlin tour yeah, of, yeah. Uh, for worship music which right? looks like, amazing that tour looks, looks awesome amazing yeah. and it's coming through Chicago later this summer uh, but to your point uh, even if you've never attended a Hillsong church, which are literally around the world, mm-hmm. uh, I you do you have been touched with them through their music, yes. through other things, and they just are churches that big influence other churches. Yes. So your church has probably been influenced. So it, that's why Albert, I would say it's a big deal because it's uh, it's it's a there's scandal. There's now there's an entire what you and I talked about is this whole documentary coming out yes. about them that's yes. going to. People are going to watch it and go, is that the all the churches mm-hmm. that I know? Is this like it's going to raise all of that back up? And so that's why I do believe it's not sensationalism. I think it's important to go, what's going on out there? Yeah. What do we have to learn from? Yeah. Why does this keep happening? And we need to keep having that conversation. So this series that Brian mentioned, it's on Discovery Plus. It's going to examine how Hillsong was able to grow into the global brand that it is. But it's going to also uncover some of what they're calling the truth behind the headlines of recent scandals, shining a light on the fine line between culture, corporation. This is their language and cult, which Mm. is certainly a strong thing to call a, a a church who, you know, follows Jesus Christ, a cult. So it, it obviously has an agenda. Yeah. And recently, Hillsong Church Interim Director, uh, he's the global senior pastor right now in the interim position, Phil Dooley, preached on Sunday at Hillsong at their main campus there in Australia. And he responded pretty openly and pretty blatantly to this documentary. And I thought it would be worth listening to because we always want to share, you know, both sides of every story. Mm-hmm. So let's take a listen to Phil Dooley's response. Because I know our church is not perfect and it's never claimed to be. But our church is full of good people doing their best to love Jesus and follow him. Who are determined to grow in their faith and raise their family well. and Do their very best to make a positive contribution to the community they live in. To pursue their dreams and serve and love others and have a little bit of fun along the way. Because that's okay as well, guys. And I think we can learn from Nehemiah's response to his critics. In Nehemiah 4 verse 6, it simply says, after they has been criticized, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height for the people worked with all their heart. I want to encourage you, church. We have walls to build and rebuild. There are enemies trying to distract us but they will not distract or dishearten us. We will keep our hearts right before God and together we will simply get on with building what he has called us to build, his beautiful church across the earth. So, you know, Brian, there's a lot to unpack there. And I, I think what he said is interesting because it really is sort of the heart of the problem with stories like this is one There are powerful things that God has called Hillsong Church, like every Mm -hmm. church, to do. 
and to be. And obviously God has given this church a lot of influence. That's right. So the question we keep coming back to is when a church, you know, has a leader like a Hybels, like a McDonald, like a Brian Houston or Carl Lenz that fails or falls, or you find out has been, you know, covering up secrets of scandal for a long time, abuse, criminal behavior, et cetera. Does that undermine the whole church? Mm, that's hard. And can God redeem things within the church? You hold that question mm-hmm. in tension with, but also it seems like there's some systemic insidious behavior cover-up going on. What in the, I mean, this is a question you and I keep coming back to. What in right. the world do we do with all this, right. Brian? So anytime the question begins with, can God do blank? The answer is yes. yes. Amen. Uh, but that doesn't mean things should stay as they've been. Yeah. I do think, um, so can God do a, a, an amazing work in and through Hillsong? Can this be a transformation, a redemption story? Sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we pray for that. Yeah. I have my doubts that that should happen with the same people in charge that were in charge when things went badly. That's it. Like, you know, let's take, I know he passed away, but could God have redeemed the Ravi Zacharias ministries and done this mm-hmm. and that while he was living in this? Sure. Should that have happened with Ravi? No, Absolutely everyone not. looks at that story yeah. and says he should be gone. Yes. So yes, does God. And so that's where it becomes hard. And and, and a huge, I mean, let's just call Hillsong what it is. It's an organization yes. more than a church. Yeah. It's a church organization. Can they make the systemic changes that need to be made? Can they do? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. But it requires really hard. Work. It requires more than a guy getting up on a stage going, we're going to keep preaching. Right. We're going to keep doing what God's right. Amen. Keep doing it. Yes. But I would want to say, hey, show us the proof's going to be in the pudding, right? Show us the steps that are mm-hmm. going to look make this place look different than what it's the old definition of insanity, right? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over expecting again, expecting a different yeah. result. Yeah. And so what I would say on all of these big churches and small churches aside is if the people who were the problem or that still the same culture, you haven't changed anything about your culture. If those are still in place, you're going to get the same issues. Uh, and so do we hope that Hillsong comes roaring back and is, you know, to the glory of God is able to do what they do? Yeah. You just hope it's not through pretending some of these things don't exist or going, hey, here's the other dangerous language I would say, Aubrey, is, hey, there may have been bad things, but the good things are more. Hmm. Hey, who gets to make that call? Yeah, one I think that's a good and point. two. That's never been the 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 math of the church, right? Like, yeah. good is better is bigger, you know, is greater than the bad we've done. No, that can't be yeah. what we're shooting yeah. for here, and that's what it feels like a little bit here. So, uh, and then let's just say maybe maybe bad timing, and we've all been in those where you talk off the top of your head saying, "Let's have a little bit of fun while doing this." Yeah. Might have been a little bit toned up. I think that might have been a little bit toned up, and I. And maybe the Sunday morning service isn't the place for it, Brian, but I actually think you're exactly right. I I do wish in response to the documentary, um, and I'm assuming the documentary is a one-sided agenda and is probably not going to be nuanced or fair. So uh, I think we can all observe, those of us who are going to watch it, we can observe it with a very critical eye. And and let's be mindful and wise about that. Mm. I also think I wish uh, Phil Dooley would have said, in light of these abuse scandals, cover-ups, sin, et cetera, things going wrong in our church, here's what we're going to do. We're bringing in this organization that's going to evaluate us from you know top to bottom. We're going to do that. We're going to mm-hmm. we're going to take some time to to 
uh, fast. We're going to, I mean, just all of like, we're going to make systemic changes right. this way. And again, maybe the Sunday morning service isn't the place for that. Maybe they have a, a big member service. Maybe their elders are having those conversations. I don't know. And at some point as a leader, you do have to keep rallying the troops. But I, I do feel like there was there was something missed, especially that you're right, that statement, and have a little fun. It, look, there are victims of, of sexual abuse allegedly here. There are years of cover-up here. Let's, let's not take this lightly, mm-hmm. I think, is the call. And then for the rest of us observing who are you know part of the global church, let's keep praying for God to uncover some of these insidious things and just praying that the Lord gives us the grace to do better, to move forward uh, for his name and his kingdom. Well, when we return, we are excited to be joined by Gail Stubbs. Gail currently serves as a teacher at an international school in the Ukraine. Looking forward to hearing his perspective on all that's going on right now. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. And as you know, as we've been talking about on the show all day today, you know, the world's hearts are very heavy as we're watching Russia invade Ukraine. And right now we're joined by Gail Stubbs. Gail is actually a friend of some of our friends at Renewal Church. He also currently serves as a teacher in an international school in Ukraine. And we brought Gail on because we just want to hear his heart and kind of help us know how to pray and how to think about what's happening. Gail, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about um, how you got to the Ukraine, kind of your story and um, what your life is like now? Uh, It's kind of interesting because uh, as I was thinking about this, the three main players in what's happening right now in the world, we have special ties to all three of them. Mm. Um, The first country I ever went to overseas was was uh, Russia. Wow. I landed there in December of 1992, about six months after the Soviet Union collapsed, mm. and did some mission work with some beautiful people, wonderful, wonderful Christian people. Um, then uh, my wife and I moved to St. Petersburg in 93 and 94 with our four children to be missionaries there. And uh, again, wonderful, beautiful people mm. in St. Petersburg. We came back home. And uh, I've been to Belarus on four mission trips. My wife and I went one year in the late 90s and uh, actually traveled all over Belarus for three weeks preparing for vacation Bible schools for the churches there. After 97, my wife and I uh, got teaching certificates and decided to go overseas as tent makers. That's what we felt God was doing. And uh, during the last four years with our organization. We have been in Kiev, um, took off this year to come home for a year, but uh, I went back over to uh, Kiev as a substitute teacher for Mm. our school there Mm. and have been there since January. And uh, we also have a contract signed with our organization to return to teach in Kiev in August. Wow. We're able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, Gail, with... With that real personal tie, uh, if, if you'd be willing to share with us, what is going on in your heart right now as you're watching the television like the rest of us? I'm sure you're talking to friends back in Ukraine. What are you personally feeling um, and what are you hearing from people who are over there, friends who are still in the Ukraine? Yeah, I, I was in the Ukraine until Sunday, the wow. 13th of February. Mm. 
Um, at that point, uh, the day before, uh, on the 12th, we were told by, uh, of course, we've been told by the U.S. Embassy we needed to get out for about the last month. Um, but at that, that time, our director got instructions from our uh, organization that they wanted us to follow the embassy's uh, suggestions and leave. Mm-hmm. That was a tough, difficult decision. Uh, most of the teachers did leave. Um, it was hard. The the last uh, two days of seeing people and saying goodbye, knowing what could happen, which is what is happening now. Uh, this morning and, and during the time that I've been home, and this morning especially, we've been, my wife and I have been on uh, computers trying to connect with people. Mm. Um, some of the systems were down for a while. Um, we've been able to talk to people, some of them in, in Kiev. Others have gone to other parts of Ukraine. Chatted with a, a lady and her family who's actually uh, leaving Kiev to try to get to Poland. Uh, took them five hours, they, she said, to get out of the city of Kiev because mm. of the traffic. Mm. Um, if you see the news reports on television of the traffic, that's the main street that ran right by our apartment. Um, and so it's it's difficult to see what's what's happening. Yeah. You know, this lady has children who are high school and high school uh, junior or senior, and the other one's in elementary. And the kids are shaking; they're unnerved. Mm. And um, mm. you know, unfortunately. Whenever we have conflict like this, we don't think about kids too much. Right. We don't think about you know what we want, and uh, so our prayers are with our people, with our school our organization. It's a very difficult time because they're um, kind of stuck, yeah. and that's hard. Mm. Yeah, I can I can hear that the heaviness in your heart, Gail, and I think that's a heaviness we all need to be carrying right now. You mentioned that your prayers are with your school and, of course, the students and the kids. I wonder, you know, for the for the Christians listening, how would you guide us to pray right now for Ukraine? I would ask that you pray for divine intervention of God's wisdom to take the heart of the leaders. Mm. The people don't want this. There's yeah. no people. There's no, no matter which country you talk to. You can talk to uh, the people of Russia. You can talk to the people of Ukraine. You can talk to the people of Belarus who are also affected by this. Mm. None of the people want it. Mm. This is a leadership um, conflict, mm. and so I would pray that God intervene um, somehow. Mm-hmm. That God will intervene with the leadership of the countries involved. Yeah, yeah. including. The United States leadership, decisions of the European Union, of Britain, uh, other countries that are involved in it. You know, Japan is doing doing some things in it. Uh, Australia is doing things just just to give them wisdom and to help them see the hearts of people. Mm. Um, yeah, and Gail, um, tell us about the Church of the Ukraine, like. Um, is it a strong church? How would you describe the church even before this, but now even as they're going through what they're going through now? I would pass on a message that I received from a good friend of mine who's in, who I've been in Bible study with. Um, he's a historian, and uh, he says that the western part of the country of, of Ukraine is very oriented towards godliness mm. um, and that they depend upon God. And that's true in the articles uh, that I've read since uh, since this conflict began. They are preparing to receive thousands 
of uh, people escaping wow. from the east and from central. They're, you know, the church is preparing to receive them, house them, and you know, feed them and take care of them until they can either the conflict ends or uh, they can get on to Poland, to mm-hmm. be honest. Um, the eastern side, he says, the eastern side relies more on powerful countries than God. And that's, that's just his, his, some, uh, his assertion of the situation. He says, I'm praying that, that the uh, eastern part of the country will become more reliant upon God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thought that was an interesting ex- you know, yeah, absolutely. But the church in Ukraine, they have been through um, a lot of conflict. Uh, and uh, there is a reliance upon God that uh, um, you, can, you can vision and see in, in, in being around the people. That's beautiful. And Gail, uh, if we could just ask you one more question, this might seem like a strange question to ask in the middle of a very, very heavy day. But do you, are you hopeful at all? What's keeping your faith right now in the middle of all this? God is in control. Mm. He, he, this is not a, even though it may have been a surprise, and I've talked to people even this morning who said they didn't realize it would come right now and so quick. God is in control. He knows. Um, you know, and, and we always want, in terms of, of uh, devastation and things, we, we look at the book of Job and we see that uh, Satan didn't have any power unless God allowed him to have it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's true today. Um, you know, God is in control. The, the, the Ukrainian Christians, the Russian Christians, they know that God is in control. Mm-hmm. It hurts. Um, it's devastating. Um, but deep down, we know that God is, is faithful. Mm-hmm. He, is, he is always with us. And uh, sometimes that's hard to feel. But, uh, you know, at this point, they are dependent upon God. The people that I've talked to said, keep praying for us. Mm -hmm. Um, We're praying. uh, And uh, that's all we can do at this point. We just pray and ask God to somehow glorify himself in this situation. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, Gail Stubbs, again, serves as a teacher in an international school in Ukraine, reminding all of us to keep praying praying for those who are suffering right now. Gail, thanks so much for being here with us today. We appreciate your time and your heart. Thank you. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson alongside my co-host, Brian Fromm. We're so thrilled that you're with us today. Um, Brian, uh, we're married. Not to each other. Nope, not to each other. Let's make nope. that clear. But you've oh. been married to your beautiful wife, Carrie, for 21? 22, 22 years. years. Just That's as of right. January the 22nd, That's we're right. 22 years. And yes. we're a year behind you, 21 oh. years, January 6th. And so... Just newlyweds, you and Kevin. I know, we're just little babies, <laughs> little babies. Uh, as people who have been married, mm-hmm. uh, we could say, I, I think wholeheartedly, that part of what makes a marriage successful and even bearable is... <laughs> Forgiveness. I like that. Yes. Uh, Elizabeth Elliot famously said, a happy marriage is two people forgiving each other every single day for the rest mm. of their lives. Mm. And there is something very powerful and strong and necessary about practicing the art of forgiveness. Yeah, it's an art, isn't it? It, <laughs> yes. is, uh, it is really difficult. And, uh, you know, I think it's important to talk about marriage just in really honest terms, right? Marriage is awesome. 
uh, I, I'm a big fan of marriage. Yeah. Cheering marriage on. Go I love marriage. Being, I love being married. Uh, all of that. Marriage is also really hard. Mm-hmm. And it's not a Disney movie where you get to the wedding and then you live happily ever after. It's right. not that way at all. Marriage is two imperfect people coming together to live really imperfectly. <laughs> Forever. Forever. <laughs> and there's reasons that the divorce statistics are so high, right? Yeah. Because it's difficult. Yeah. And what makes it difficult, Aubrey? Because... Uh, it's often not even the really big things. It's the it's the little things. It's the annoyances. Mm-hmm. It's the hurts. It's the uh, it's the you know the mean word that was uh, the sarcastic word, the yeah. disregard, the whatever else it might be uh, that build up over time. And as Paul Tripp says in this article that we're going to look at, he says this is true for all relationships, right? Yes. He, he titled this literally "Forgive Your Spouse or Anyone." Yes. Uh, but forgiveness is very it, here. We'll put it this way. If you as a married couple are not willing to forgive each other and do the work of forgiveness, mm-hmm. you will end up divorced. Yeah, you won't make it. You period. will not make it. Right. Or if you make it, it's just because you're refusing to get divorced, but you're going to be miserable. Yeah. Uh, you are going to need to ask forgiveness in your marriage and you are going to need to grant forgiveness right. in your marriage. Right. Uh, and marriages that are unwilling to do that will not survive. Right. And so he's right. Uh, forgiveness or Elizabeth Elliot's right in the quote forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But Aubrey, we also read this about all relationships. Yes. If you want to have a good friendship, forgiveness is important. Right. I need to ask my kids forgiveness yes. sometimes. Yes. We need to treat. And so forgiveness really is uh, in many ways what allows. It's the fuel that allows for longstanding relationships. So he's going to talk about marriage because I think that's where most of forgiveness is most often required. Interestingly, one of the questions that uh, David or Paul Tripp poses in this uh, article on forgiveness, you can find it over at his blog post, PaulTripp.com. He asks this question, why is it such a struggle to forgive? Mm. And Brian, without looking, why do you think it's such a struggle to forgive? Because I always want to be right. Yeah, that's it. It's about power. It's about power. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if I offer you forgiveness, I'm also letting you off the hook, like going, maybe I'm maybe I'm. Was it right? Or, you know, and also power is, uh, so Aubrey, if you do something to me and you're, you're, you're asking my forgiveness and you're super sorry about it, mm-hmm. but I don't let you off that hook, I still feel like I can hold that over you. Yes. Like I can, oh, Aubrey, do you remember that time, uh-huh. you know, uh, you did this and you're like, yes. And now I can still, so. Yeah, I've, like it gives you the upper hand a correct, little bit relationally. Correct. And so. Uh, and people might be like, that's never the way marriages work. Marriages work that way all the time Constantly, with people. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, you did this. Well, you did mm-hmm. this. When I forgive you, uh, it lets you off the hook and puts us back, hopefully, on equal footing. Yeah. And so I think that's it. I think it's a power dynamic. It's a pride thing. It's a, a justice thing. Yeah. No, you should have to pay for uh-huh. what you did. I also want to caveat this by saying you and I are talking a lot about the common um, struggles and annoyances and hurts within a marriage. There are some things that are really big that aren't like, yes. oh, just let them up. That's just worth forgive saying. Them. Right. That require forgiveness is still going to be your key, but that might take you a year. Mm-hmm. It might take you some intense counseling. So mm-hmm. we do need to differentiate a little bit. But it's for the ninety nine percent of these, it's like you know what. You need to hear the apology of your spouse. You need to give them grace and forgiveness because that is what's going to bind you together. Yeah, that's that's a really good word, Brian. Thank you for thank you for that caveat. We're not talking about the big betrayals mm-hmm. here, but kind of the day to day relational transactions that happen 
Uh, Paul Tripp says forgiveness is a relational transaction that needs to occur in moments when sin has gotten in the way of unity, love and understanding between a husband and wife or any two people for that matter. Forgiveness lifts the burden off our shoulders of bearing wrongs and restores what has been broken. The more you're willing to pursue forgiveness, the more you experience its blessings. Mm-hmm. I think that's really true. Can you unpack that a little bit, Brian? Yeah, I, I think that we've all preached the sermon that when I forgive somebody else, it actually uh, releases me. Yeah. It's not letting them off the hook. Yeah. It actually frees me from right. bitterness. It right. frees me from anger. It frees me. Uh, and that's why forgiveness is so important uh, on my end. I, 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 it, until we understand that, we will never be people who forgive yeah. because then it just becomes something you should do. Aubrey, you should forgive your husband because Christ forgave you. Totally. Yeah, but Kevin did not. What he did. <laughs> nope, you should. And here's one more point about marriage. Let me just make this point to you. A lot of the times that I'm not even a lot of things that I'm not willing to forgive my wife for are sometimes I realize things she didn't even realize she did like that I'm mad about. <laughs> Like, That's I'm so like harboring real. this thing in my head. I can't believe she did You're this telling yourself or, a story about her. Or yeah. or said this. And if I asked her that night, hey, I'm really sorry that we were going at it today. She might be like, what are you talking about? What did I do? Oh, I'm so sorry. Like, you got to confront these <laughs> yeah. things in marriage. Say yeah. it. And I've told you before in marriage counseling, my marriage counselor told me, Brian, you're going to be really bad at this. You need to just say what's on your mind. <laughs> mm. uh, we need to own and say what is bothering us. Talk it out. Ask forgiveness of one another and then move on with that. Yeah. Clean slate. Yeah. And when we don't, these things build up, build up, yeah. build up, build up. And then all of a sudden you're having World War Three right. over something that started as really a small right. deal. Right. Yeah. It, it's helpful to keep short accounts. Mm. Not that you're constantly picking on your spouse, but just anytime there's like that thing that you go, oh, hey, can we talk about that for just a minute? Because otherwise you're exactly right. A little thing, you know, someone not putting their shoes away becomes like the thing that ends your marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you don't want your marriage to end over something like that. Paul Tripp ends with some reflection questions that I think are helpful for us to think about. The first one is, when was the last time someone explicitly and specifically forgave you? Mm. How did you sin against them? And how did they communicate their forgiveness? I love that question because it... One, I think it makes you think, oh, have I done the work of asking for forgiveness right. for something? And then also remind you of what it feels like when someone does show you the grace that you don't deserve. Yeah, yeah. Number two, what was that feeling like uh, for you when they forgave you? How did it reconcile or strengthen your relationship? Number three, consider a time when your spouse or another person patiently and humbly confronted your sin. How did the Lord use that to uh, use that approach to soften your heart and open mm. your eyes? Number four, compare that to a time when you confronted your spouse or another person harshly in anger or with a selfish agenda. How can you be better to confront with a spirit of gentleness next Mm. time? I think that's such a key. When you are going to your spouse or that person in your life to have that conversation, ask the Lord to give you a spirit of gentleness. And then five, what might be some of the dark benefits of unforgiveness? Mm. Be specific. Are you holding any debts over another person as a tool for your selfish power? Mm -hmm. Great questions for all of us to consider, especially for those of us who follow Jesus and are trying to live like Jesus in our relationships with other people. We hope that encourages you today. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. We'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.